Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor, and today is the first episode of the official off season that there's no real past tournaments. We'll talk about our tournament. Um, <laughs> there's no real like big past tournaments from tour or anything like that to talk about. So we're just getting straight into the first week of off season news. Not a ton, but there was some. Um, so let's first uh, let's just talk through our tournament. This past weekend, all Heiser's yeah. Eve. Uh, first tournament you had played in in a year? First, co- well, so I, yeah, first like non collegiate event I've played in since. I just, yeah, that was loud. <laughs> I just broke open an Arnold Palmer if you're wondering what that was. First non collegiate event I've played in since like March of 2019, and first event at all I've played since like September or November of 2019. So it's been like a year. Yeah, it would have been, so I played one event, the XL Showdown, in September, and prior to that, it had been a year since PDGA play, but um, I got one event under my belt and came back to this one. Uh, for me, this this event went about as good as I feel like it could have. My putting was rocky, but I was able to pull out a solo fourth place, um, had to birdie the 18th hole in the final day to get to fourth. If not, it would have been tied for fourth, so solo fourth. Um but I had some some great moments and some bad moments. I think I ended up, I averaged well above my rating. I think near like 980, 990, something like that. Uh, I was pretty proud of it. Um, what about your weekend? How, <laughs> how'd your weekend go, Trevor? It wasn't that bad. I mean, in comparison to you, it was pretty bad. But like, it, I mean, I was nervous. So like both of the, of the first two rounds on the Saturday, like, I literally was three up through three the first round and four up through three the second round and then finished, I think, at three up the first round and at two up the second round. So, like, I, I just put myself behind so And then early. you had to, like, and then just, claw back. Yeah, I just had to claw myself back. I couldn't play super aggressive. Like, it just ruined me. In theory, so I ended up rating, like, around 940 on the dot, maybe, 941, something like that. So, above my rating, my rating's atrocious, though. So, like... It wasn't a complete failure, and it was fun, but in, when I look back at it, I probably should have rated like 20 points higher, but, you know. It was nice to play with some pressure again, because like, yeah. the videos provide a little bit of pressure, but I nothing actually, like tournament pressure. We, oh, not even close. No, it's way different, because like, I'm used to playing on camera, but it's it's completely different. It's different. Like I'm like Most of my PDGA play has been collegiate to where... like. I have not just the pressure of me doing well, but the pressure of me fighting for a spot on a team and the pressure of me not letting down my teammates and not <laughs> that's having, the, that's the hard part yeah. of collegiate is you got, you you have a bad round and yeah. you know, you got to walk back and face three other guys that might've yeah. had the round of their lives and it's you just so ruin their day. Yeah. So like that made it a lot easier, but it was still putting was fine. I didn't really miss any stupid putts, maybe like two or three the whole weekend, but Hey, it was good enough that we just signed up for another one. Yeah, November 14th, we're playing the so. Manita Madness or something like that. Yeah, so it wasn't that bad. Yeah, so, um, but in the actual disc golf world, the non Virginia B tier world, was it a B tier or a C tier? B tier. The non Virginia B tier world, we had the announcement of the Disc Golf Pro Tour All Star Weekend. I don't know if they're technically calling it All Star Weekend. I think they are. Yeah, I think so. Um, but basically, the All Star, it's going to be like a match play bracket play uh type of event so yeah there's a top eight mpo and top eight fpo uh have been invited to this event it's all expense paid trip for them down to orlando 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's going to be sometime in January, I believe, around like the 20th, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. about a month before the official start of the season. Um, so let me read some of the details here. So it's confirmed bracket play. So basically the number one seed will be playing against the eight seed, two, seven, three, you know, so on and so forth. Um, the invited players consist of Macbeth, Heimberg, Wysocki, McMahon, Dickerson, LeCastro, Jones, and Double G. And on the FPO side, we have Pierce, Katrina Allen, Hokum, King, Missy Gannon, Jessica Weiss, Kona Panis, and Heather Young. Mm-hmm. Um, they've hinted at there being some skills competitions as well, which that we'll kind of talk sick. through what we hope is there. Yeah. Um, but the first thing I want to ask here is they have said that 75% of the players are confirmed they're coming. Right. Do you expect that to be all 100% of the players, or do you think they're going to have to pull up some of the people from like spots 9 to 15 or something like that? Um, I'd be surprised if everybody goes, to be honest. like Especially during... Who's not going? Who would you see not showing up? I don't know that it's like a specific person. It's like, because it's one thing, like it's only for the Disc Golf Network, so it's not like it's some like unique opportunity, like, oh, it's going to be on a... You well, know. it might be on Jomez too. I, I could see yeah, them covering like, it with it's Jomez. It's not like it's going to be on like a CBS or an ESPN to where like you're guaranteeing those guys want to be there for like the exposure of it. Yeah. It is like the first Disc Golf All-Star Weekend. So it's like the first time they've done like an All-Star team. So people might go just because like it's cool that they're an All-Star. I don't know how many people care about being like... I know some of those top guys could probably care less I mean, that they're an All-Star. I will say I know Kevin Jones was quoted saying like... They, I think the que- they didn't say the question, but they, I think the question was kind of like pros and cons of going. And he's like, there, there are no cons. You know, it's a it a is free paid, trip yeah. to Orlando. We're playing for money. Like it's a free trip to go have the potential of winning money. And it's like it's match play, yeah. so it's not like the pressure of stroke play yet. You right, know? right. It's that, a different pressure. That's but. true. Yeah, I'm. I think it's cool because a, I think disc golf needed. Um, the whole idea of them doing an all-star weekend is interesting because all-star weekends have gotten less popular amongst all the major sports. But part of it is because of, at least, I can only speak to basketball. Yeah. They've ruined basketball. The dunk contest, they've changed up, you know, a lot of the rules and stuff like that. The whole, like, sport of basketball changes on all-star weekend where there's no defense till the fourth right. quarter. They tried that stupid points system. Yeah. I will say... Other sports are a bit different because um, players are more likely to not try and not risk injury. Whereas golf, like you're you not know, really risking, you're not, yeah, you're not playing against other people. It's not a contact sport, really. Yeah. So I will You'd say be playing anyways, right? It's different in that respect. Also, like a cash prize in disc golf, like is a lot more than whatever. Like it means a lot more to those players than like the bonus that they get for winning all star games in the other pro sports. It's whatever. Yeah. But I, I think, think the other, at least in basketball, don't they like donate to charity? Uh, sometimes. Like, I don't of, even know if it really. A lot of times they do. Sometimes they, I mean, players get bonuses. I think sometimes it just depends on what they want to do with it. But I think it's cool um, because I think disc golf needs a match play championship. I think there should be a big event each year on the tour schedule that's a match play championship. I think match play is fascinating because you get, you really feel like, you know, you can have duels kind of create themselves in tournaments where guys end up dueling with each other but like this way they're literally pitted against each other yeah, you have no choice but to duel right with them. and the they're always t- match play tends to be close so yeah and, and you can get like the guy who's running the tournament can say i want to see this matchup i can make this happen i also 
think it's cool because it's in January, so it's a time where we are going to want to see disc golf. And then at the same, then the idea of the skills competition, that is what really that would be really exciting. Yeah, that's what really interests me. So if all the players show up, the round one matchups would basically be Macbeth versus Double G, Heimberg versus Kevin Jones, Ricky versus Nico. And then Eagle versus Chris Dickerson. Is it? I didn't look at where's where's Ricky seated. Ricky's third, so he could play Paul in the finals because that's what we all want. Yeah, <laughs> we want Ricky Paul. Match and then play. on the FPO side, it looks like well, could he? Wouldn't he be on the same side as Paul of the bracket? Oh, if it's bracket, if it's not, I don't know if it was like highest seed always going to play lowest seed. I think they, I think they had said it was a bracket. Okay, play. well then I guess he I could be wrong. Be that would stink. Um, well, as long as they can run into each other. Yeah, they'll. Okay. I mean, they could because right. they're both the event. And then yeah. on the FPO side, it would be Paige Pierce against Heather Young, which that could be an interesting one round one match play. Uh, Katrina Allen versus Kona Panis, Sarah Hokum versus Jessica Weiss, and then this would be the really interesting one to me: Haley King versus Missy Gannon. Hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think match play takes out some of the advantages of other players where like your consistency has to come in especially on the fpo side you know where Paige is going to have an advantage there's going to be some holes that she can birdie that the other player just can't yeah but there's also going to be that mat that factor of if you try to birdie it like maybe they're capable of it but they would never try it in a tournament whereas Paige is like i'll try it right. but now if you're capable of it and you know Paige is going for it you have no reason not to that's right. what i think is exciting about match play is like it doesn't matter if you took if you went for the island green and take an eight. It's also a lot of throwing opportunities too. Yeah, because you're not. I mean, the strokes don't matter. Exactly. So like, if you took an eight and Paige took a two, you didn't lose six strokes. You lost a point. One point, yeah. You can and you would have conceded well before the eight. This chord's bothering me. Yeah, I think it's good. I think the skills competition is like that could be really fun so what so they haven't announced the skills competitions yet i actually even saw where jeff springs went on to on the box with dixon jowers facebook page yeah uh, dixon had posted kind of like what we're about to talk about like what skills competition would you like to see and jeff springs was in the comment section saying like we haven't officially decided yet so we're even going to be looking at this comment section as input like they like if you have any ideas fire away type of a thing yeah so i want to take the opportunity to fire away some ideas. What what skills competition would you like to see? Mm-hmm. And then I'll give mine as well. And then we should debate also who's taking these skills competitions we came up with down. Right. Well, I think to start it, the most obvious one is the distance. We want to see the distance showcase. I think the distance showcase should have... Um, it should be... A combination of distance and accuracy though it should be like when they do long drive competitions in ball golf where there's like a landing strip that's normally how disc golf's done right that, that it should definitely be like that um but like that's an obvious one well to a certain degree so disc golf the the ones i've seen before there's like a safe area mm-hmm. so you have like a safe spot like sometimes it's like uh, football fields lined up or whatever like you have a landing strip but then it is line of flight so, like, if you land a little more to the right or to the left, it's not necessarily yeah. just straight distance. Where, yeah. like, golf's, like, right. they the 400-yard line the 400-yard line. I think I like that better. I feel like it's more objective, and it makes you throw a straighter shot. But in any case, we want to see a distance showcase. Regardless, distance. And, and double G's going to win. Oh, I was going to go eagle. Yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, on the women's I side, toss up. Paige, is, Paige winning. is winning. for sure. So, on, I mean, women's side. But I think eagle or double G. Double, it's, I mean. It's toss up. Yeah. Now, I w- what I would think would be interesting is since this is like a skills competition that's only for the all-stars, 
seeing a player like Paul in the distance contest or if they had yeah. a putting contest seeing a player like Ricky because normally those guys aren't competing in these. Mm-hmm. So like how far is Paul actually throwing if he goes right. like just straight distance? How far are any of those guys Or Ricky even. Because yeah. you normally don't see like the players off this list that Oops. I would expect to see at a distance contest would be Kevin Jones, Nico LaCastro, Double G, and Eagle. Calvin maybe. But those four, you normally aren't going to see Dickerson showing up. You're not going to see Ricky showing up. You're normally not going to see Paul showing up to these skills competitions. Because I've seen it at World, you never mm-hmm. see them there. That's why like the World's Putting Champion normally is not like actually the best putter in the world because like Ricky's not there or right. Paul's not there or right. Eagle's not there. They're not there. So then like um no offense to the people who've won it, but like that's how you get a Yeti Redding winning all these or a Matt Bell or uh mm-hmm. whoever's mo- more recent ones. That's how you get players like that is the like insane putters on tour aren't showing up to these little skills competitions normally. Yeah. So that's what would be really exciting to me. Um because even I don't even know if Paige shows up to distance contests. Probably not worth her time. <laughs> but like in this case, it, why not? Yeah. It's an all-star showcase. Mm-hmm. Distance is an obvious one. One thing I thought would be fun to see is like a line accuracy. So like... Ooh, keep it on the straight line? Yeah. So like as the tunnel goes down, like I don't know how they would do it, but basically they get like poles, right? And they start with like a 15 foot wide gap. And oh. as the tunnel goes down, it gets more and more narrow. I like that. And you see how far you can throw without breaking outside of the gap. That That's sick. Or you have a like 10 foot gap and it gets farther and farther away. So like throw one. How long can you keep it straight in that gap? But you have to keep throwing. So like throw one is the the gap's 10 feet away from you. Throw two, it's 20. Throw three is 30. Throw oh, I'd like to see. Well, I'd so like, like you're trying to hit that gap farther and farther yeah, down the fairway. That's true. I would. I like the idea of like trying to keep it within that small gap the whole way through. Like how far can you throw a disc within a 10 foot window? Like dead straight. Yeah. It's like I think that'd be super sick to see. Paul would win that. For sure, I feel like I don't know because it it would be he throws straight shots so well. That's true. It would depend on the the format because if it's about the who hit the line more consistently, I think I would agree with Paul. But if it's about how far they throw and you have like five shots to get your best one, then a player like Eagle or Double G that could just like power a mid or or a yeah. fairway and just hit one. All they need is one shot out of five to go like five hundred feet. Yeah, it's true. Oh, no, I just think that would be sick, like a line accuracy. Yeah. On the FPO side, that could actually be a toss up. I'm going Katrina Allen on that one. If they did, a, if they did like an accuracy throw wise, yeah. Because that's that's been one thing that all year, Katrina Allen's putting has gotten progressively better as the years went on. At least it seemed like it to me. <laughs> Until it lost her the championship. Well, okay, but her putting all weekend wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah, it was agree. one one bad hole, but yeah. um, I, she's always near the top still with most of the time mediocre to poor putting percentages so that just shows you how good she is at throwing the disc Mm -hmm. that's all that tells me yeah so i still think that when it comes to accurate and like like accuracy when it comes to throwing i think katrina allen and Paige are probably more neck and neck than it seems yeah i would agree with that i could be wrong but that's just how i feel i feel like that that's the only reason that katrina allen can still be hanging around in these events where she's missing a few putts around that she should be making yeah just because she's throwing so good. Um, when it comes to accuracy, another thing that's a very disc golf thing and probably a golf thing too would be like a CTP challenge. Yeah. Where, I mean, I don't really know how you'd do it because I'd like to see just be on a hole, but I'd like to see a uh, some kind of time trial. A lot, pretty much every sport, like 
uh, the NBA does like you know they the do the point like guard the, one. The point guard one. NHL has a similar thing for like stick handlers. Uh, the NFL does like some passing ones too with time. I'd like to see targets set out and you get like oh, a, you get like a time cool. limit and like there's further ones that are worth more points that you go for those with your shots in your time limit or you go for the closer ones that are worth less points and try to just stack up on those because like that would be fun i feel like tough part with stuff like that is like in basketball you just have a rack of balls and everyone uses the same right in disc golf you're just gonna have like all right we have to have prepared you know 50 forces for paul and then 50 destroyers for rick and then yeah. 50 t-birds for calvin and that'd be tough Maybe just go with a generic putter. Right. Just wipe the brand. No one knows what they're throwing. I feel like that's the way to go. I mean, everyone would pick it up and know, but like us at home wouldn't know what they're throwing. Right. Nobody's going to care. Yeah. That would be, that'd be cool. I've seen um, some like golf channel on YouTube do something similar where there was like a, it was like a top golf type idea, but they had like, I feel like it was a washing machine and like different things like that. Mm, I've seen that. Yeah. Might have been like Rory McIlroy versus a robot. I've seen that video. Yeah. That'd be that'd be fun to see. Not yeah. versus the robot. Take the robot out. Although that would be electric. Bring a robot in. Never mind. Let's I split know. the script. We need a disc golf robot. We need a disc golf robot to be the one telling us flight numbers. Right. So they can get very objective numbers on everything. Yeah. So you have the exact same throw over and over, and then you can like. That'd be great. It would be okay. so good for flight charts too, because you could tell you if your arm speed is this, this is how the disc is going to fly. If your arm speed is this, unfortunately, molds can be and runs can be un- inconsistent. But correct. But I think that everyone can agree. This has nothing to do with the All Star Weekend, and doesn't matter. I think everyone can agree that disc golf manufacturers should not be the ones assigning the flight numbers to these discs. That makes no sense, because then what happens is the end of a flight number system is only accurate within Innova molds. Then as soon as you go to dynamic, right. the dynamic flight numbers are only accurate to dynamic. And the Innova ones are only to... to are yeah, the but when ones only companies started, like, they probably compared, like, for dynamic, like, they were definitely comparing their flight numbers to discs that already existed. Yes, but it's still up to them. Why? Like, you have to send the disc in for the PDGA approval anyways. Yeah. So why isn't the PDGA... Why aren't they the ones testing it? Like, assigning this flight number. Yeah, because I, I mean, know. up till recently, Discraft didn't even use the flight number system. They had like the point five and one. The right, and I actually, well, I like that system more. To be honest, I don't even know. I don't like flight numbers at all. I, yeah, I don't even know if flight numbers need to exist. Why can't we just say well, it's a stable drive, fairway driver? You know, I don't mind them for like when you're first getting into the game, so you can kind of get a feel for. Right. I have this Leopard Three that's like a seven. Let's say it's, this is probably way inaccurate, but seven five negative two one. Or something like that. I think it's a 7.6. And then I can like look at it and be like, oh, well, that means this T-Bird will finish harder for me. Right, yeah. But once you get past that, past that like beginner learning disc golf stage, then I think flight numbers are pointless because then when you get good enough at disc golf or like experienced enough, you can feel a disc and kind of know how it's going to fly. But then you also understand the inconsistencies of runs to where the force that I got yesterday might not be the force I get today. Or the destroyer I got three years ago is definitely not the destroyer I get today. Like right, stuff yeah. like that. So I think that the flight number system is good, but it should be taken with a grain of salt because at the end of the day... Don't expect to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to get a disc that flies like the flight numbers every time. Yeah. It's just like a good general reference, but I still don't... I don't think that the manufacturers should ever be the ones assigning the flight numbers. This doesn't make sense. Back to the skills contest, though. I wrote a few more down. I don't think I've gotten through all mine. 
but I don't remember the other ones. No, I've gotten all mine. <laughs> but there should be like some type of putting. Yeah, I mean that's that's an easy one for. Them but to do. but I feel like it should be more than just like line up from these five spots and putt. Maybe they could do one where it's like a putting game where like there's some kind of pressure involved where like they're. Oh, have you ever played that oh, game? They just play horse. <laughs> horse would be fun. But have you ever played that game where you're in a line? And everyone that makes a putt adds yeah, a point. That's the point. That's the best one. Oh, that'd be great. Imagine it with these with eight guys it from like thirty five feet and you're playing to like fifteen points. That would add up really quick. Yeah, but like, like you, people would get knocked out pretty much right away. But it'd be fun to watch. Yeah, it'd be entertaining. Because then like, oh, he's lined up for this putt. It's worth once it gets to fifteen points, it's just the next person that misses is out. Yeah. That'd be fun. I'd be curious to see how like those guys would do in that situation yeah i mean like the same crack for, for fpo i think the same game for fpo i don't know who would win fpo maybe Haley king are yeah. you kidding me her freaking putting was insane at the pro tour Paige finale is pretty stone cold too she she is but I, Haley king something about her putt at the pro tour finale just looked insane it was icy yeah it was yeah. good i don't know if i've seen a better fpo putter and maybe, maybe I mean, that's probably why she won. But maybe it was just, I don't want to call it a fluke. There's no way. But she had she wasn't putting like that all year, was she? Or maybe she wasn't throwing as good? I just don't think she was keeping the disc in bounds as much. Maybe. But, I mean, I think that one thing that will be interesting going into next year somewhat, too, speaking of FPO putting, is if the Europeans are able to make it back over. Please. Because then we can see, you know, is Paige as far ahead of the field as we think? Is no. Haley King really coming up as much as we think? Cause right. Then you, Cause she then you mix buried. in Evelina, Henna, and Kristen, Kristen Tatar. Those are the main three coming back over. And all three of those will be competing with Paige. It's a, it's the European scene is a mess. I, I was looking at an article yesterday on Ulti World about um, like top players to watch. And like for just for example, like I see this guy from germany timo something um he's 16 years old and he's 10 28 rated i'm like people think some of our like young guys like our kyle kleins are good like wait till these european people come back over kyle klein's pretty filthy yeah but i'm just saying there's people over there like that who are younger and just as high rated like yeah there are people we don't even know about that are going to come back and just it's going to be great yeah it's going to be very interesting Hopefully that happens in 2021. So much, yeah, we're going to have so much more people just brought into the scene that are like big names. Yeah. The hard part is can they get over here? I think the FPO can because the Evelina, the Henna, and the Kristen Tatars have made the name for themselves already. Right. Some of these young guns on the MPO side, can they afford to be over here long enough to make a standing name for themselves to where sponsors and stuff actually pay them enough to yeah. be here well i hope i hope some of them can get like um i hope like manufacturers encourage like them to like team up with people to like tour with guys who are more established you know well yeah i'm just saying that uh, that initial yeah i mean it's not easy especially if you're a 16 year old right it's not that easy. initial trip over here you're gonna have to most likely come with a parent or someone I mean, if i'm sponsoring that 16 year old and like i think they're really good then like i'm paying for them yeah, I mean, I agree, but will the manufacturers agree? I don't know. I'm sure the more, the farther and farther we get into the future of the sport, the more and more that answer is yes, because yeah. I think that, you know, a big part of the future of our sport is European, 
Like I think that's a they take it seriously. That's a given fact at this point, you know, yeah. both between tournaments and players. But it, it is going to be an interesting factor because it's something that we've seen on the FPO side develop a little bit more than we've seen on the MPO side so far. Mm-hmm. The MPO side we we haven't seen other than like Simon Yale Stores had some breakouts. KJ, KJ Naibo, um, Seppo, Seppo Payu, of course. Uh, there, there's yeah. there's been a few players, but we haven't seen like that breakout breakout star right. that is coming from like Finland or something like that. And clearly, there's a lot over there. Timu Nisanen, there's a lot of them over there that are getting really good. It's just which one is going to come over here and like be pushing the top nonstop because mm-hmm. that hasn't happened really yet. Yeah, we've gotten close, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, do you have anything else with the All Star Weekend? It should be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, we never gave who do you think won't be coming out of the out of the players invited? Because you, you said you didn't expect everyone to be here. Yeah, but I was saying I, I just don't know if I can like specifically put my finger. I mean, I, I know that if anybody is trying to recover from like if there's any players in that entire field that are trying to recover from injuries and like heal, then they're not gonna want to be there. Well, that's what I was thinking about. Is the, the when I read this list, the first name that came to my mind that I'm like, I don't know if he'd play is Paul. Right, because he's got a heel. He's got that. I haven't t- talked to him about this at all yet. So he might be stoked out of his mind about the All Star Weekend. But it seems like something that's like he's going to look at as the season's more important than. And he has his ankle to heal, obviously. We don't know exactly how long that's going to take to be taken off of the game and then have to come back and get back into like playing and all of that so it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play but it also wouldn't surprise me if he did yeah he's the he is the only one really on this list that i could see on the fpo side i couldn't really see anyone turning it down because i mean the only one would be like the other thing could be interesting is if like free agency stuff is going on in the midst of this if guys are in transitioning oh molds and stuff who was on eagles free agent I think Eagles the only one. Dickerson resigned. We Dickerson, out. yeah, Dickerson resigned back over the summer, which is kind of a shame to be honest, uh, because he's <laughs> he's worth a lot up. more right now. Right. Not not a shame he resigned with Prodigy, but a shame that he resigned a deal prior to winning a major. Right. Um, Haley King was a free agent, correct? If I remember last week, correct? Yeah, that's another one. Uh, I um, don't think she's going anywhere, and I wouldn't expect Eagle to go anywhere. But there are a few of them on this list that could because it's a free agency could go somewhere. Yeah. Um, but that, that is a good point as well. But yeah, you know, it, I, if I'm in a player and I'm in this position, I'm going because it's a free trip to Orlando. It's the first ever all-star weekend. Um, and you know, there's also going to be the pressure from their sponsors telling them to be there. Right. Yeah. Because you don't know how big this title is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would, ex- I would personally, as, as long as Paul's ankles healed, I think that's really the only factor uh, Ricky seems to have his line under control towards the end of the season. So mm-hmm. um, last season at this time, that wasn't the case, obviously. And going into the season, that was a big factor. I don't really see that being a huge factor. He could still have flare-ups, obviously, but those are impossible to tell when they're coming or if they're coming. So I wouldn't expect that to be a big factor. And no one else that we know of is really dealing with injuries. So um, unless there's something up, something else has already come up, I would expect everyone to be there. I feel like Paul's ankle will be healed in time and why not play in him? So with that being said, let's transition over into Trevor's trivia. 
All right. I don't know what he has for me this week. Normally, I have some type of inkling, some type of guess, but I got nothing. Yeah, so, so um, I decided to kind of dive back into the PDGA-approved discs list, and we're going to do It's kind of one of the questions we did last time. It's, this kind of stems off of that. It's going to be called Name That Manufacturer. We're gonna, <laughs> oh, no. We're going to see. Oh, no. We're going to test your and the audience's ability to pick the manufacturer that makes a certain named disc. Some One of the issues is there's some manufacturers I don't know the name of. I picked all manufacturers. I didn't go there. You went mainstream. Yeah. Every okay. single manufacturer on here you know. And these discs, I picked all pretty borderline ones. Like I you could realistically go probably eight or nine for ten here. Oh, you have ten ten. I of have them. ten of them. All so right. see if you can beat Hunter if you're listening or watching. We're gonna start off pretty easy. Okay. Um another hint, this would be pretty useful for everybody, is there's no repeats. These are all different manufacturers for each mold that I'm going to name. Do I know 10 manufacturers? You do. Okay. Number one, we have the proxy. Um, that's. Are you going to break down MVP versus Axiom? Yeah. I'm going Axiom. Correct. <laughs> okay. Number two, we have the criminal. Oh, that's um, that's dynamic. I've thrown a criminal. Okay. Oh, interesting. Number three, we have the warlock. That's gateway. Thrown a warlock. Yep. The the Cayman. That's Innova. Okay. That's I'll, one of their newer, yeah. that's like a Gator type disc. I threw, yeah, it is. I, I knew what it was too, and I threw it in there because I was like, he, I wonder how, like, if he's still up to date with Innova that he would know what the Cayman is. Oh, like, I'm, still up, I'm still in disc golf. Okay. Next we have... <laughs> As I sit on a disc golf pocket. <laughs> I'm still in disc golf, guys. Next we have the Halo. The Halo. <laughs> they get a little bit difficult now. Um... I'm going Latitude 64. Correct. All right. I feel like I've thrown one before, Maybe. but I could be wrong. Next, we have the Mongoose. I thought that was Gateway. <laughs> it sounds clearly like it not. <laughs> um, the Mongoose. I don't think it's West Side. Millennium? DGA. Discraft. <laughs> I don't know then. <laughs> the legacy. Oh, Frank! I, I didn't knew, know that. I knew you were gonna know that, dude. We used to carry you them. Yeah. Supreme like <laughs> carried the mongoose when we uh, first bought them out. Yeah. Dang. Ne- All right. So next we have. Is that your first one wrong? That's yeah. my first one wrong. Next we have the quasar. Oh, that's millennium. Yeah. We have these. That's a putter, I think. No, it's a driver. All right. <laughs> I guess I only knew the name. We've got the sorcerer. Sorcerer. That's that also sounds like a gateway one because <laughs> I got the wizard, the warlock, uh-huh. the sorcerer. I don't know. It's not a west side. No clue. It's west side. It is west side. It's not a west side. I almost laughed. What is it? Is it a driver? Is it a... I'm not a clue. The sorcerer. Wow. I did not. Yeah. Okay. I thought I knew West Side a little better than that. All right. We have two more. Next, we have the Grim. Oh, I've heard of this disc. That's Castplast. Yeah. Okay. Good. Try to pick one of the Castplast that wasn't super obvious, like the Berg. Or yeah. The, um, what is it? The the uh, what's the mid that's like super super popular? The Cax. The Cax, right? Oh, Cax. The last but not least, we have the Hooker. 
I mean, you didn't pick any Discraft. There's no Discraft on this list. I was going to say, unless that was Discraft. No. The hooker. Yeah. <laughs> Who's doing that? <laughs> no. Now that I'm saying this, I need to look this up to see, like, what it is. Uh, the hooker. Just think of one I haven't named yet. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot now that I'm thinking of them. Could be DGA. He didn't react, so it can't be DGA. <laughs> um... Named in of a prodigy, obviously. That's not it. No clue. It's DGA. I oh, but I said it could be DGA. You didn't guess, did you? Oh. The hook. I mean, does it just finish hard, like, to the left or something? I think it's, like, ancient. Like, 1980s. Like, it might have been, like, one of the first. What was the stock discs. stamp on it? I'm trying to find it right now. Okay, so I think somebody has it in their collection. Very interesting. Is it a mid? Is it a driver? Is it a putter? I'm, I'm looking on these guys. This guy's pictures. I think it. I don't. I think it might have been before those things even existed. Like it might not. Even oh, it was just a disc. Right. I feel like in the '80s they had. I actually have no idea. Oh, there's a million pictures on here. I don't know if I'll be able to find it or not. We'll have to look it up. If you know what it is in the comments, let us know down below. Oh, I'm there it is. In it now. Is this it? No, this is something called the Kitty Hawk Driver. Kitty Hawk Driver. That was driver. also DGA. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. I don't know. Somebody can find a picture, send yeah. it to us. If you find a picture, send it to us over on Discord. Um, Fascinating. Speaking of Discord, this next talking point um, is Sensitive. getting re-brought up by one of our diehard Discord members. The man, the myth, the legend, really. Yumas. No, crackalacking. Okay. <laughs> Nick Hankey's over on Facebook posted into the Disc Golf Debate group a picture of none other than Rory McIlroy. Roars. Wearing a hoodie while playing in a PGA Tour event. I believe it was like the Zozo. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I mean. Turns out it was an off-season event, yeah. There was another one on the European Tour that also was wearing a hoodie. Right. Well, it's Nike that's doing it. Like, we can call, we can call it the players all we want, but Nike... If Nike is trying to, and we, I saw the picture, and if Nike's trying to get like a hoodie into their golf line, then they're encouraging those players to wear it. So like, it's not really the players. I mean, they still have to choose to wear it, probably, but it's really Nike that's doing it. Interesting. Um, they were wearing two different hoodies. Were they both Nike was, though? I believe they were both Nike. Okay, so yeah. So the Nike, second one was like the most generic. the The one on the European tour was like the most generic, just like blue performance hoodie. Interesting, but it was it looked nice, like it was the dry fit material with a little Nike check. Yeah, but it was just blue. The one Rory was wearing had like a button collar, and then a right. Hoodie. Well, the one Rory was wearing looked like it looked like a golf hoodie. It looked yeah, it looked like Nike's attempt to like and they've done this before, like hybrid lifestyle into golf clothing, which I think is super cool. Yeah, um, so golf right now is in the middle of this debate between yeah. players wearing hoodies. People were going off. Some people were ticked at. There being a debate about it because they were saying, like, this is ridiculous. This is why we're dying. This is golfers saying that. Um, other places, I saw some clubs, specifically more towards the European tour one. Um, some clubs were saying, like, this is, hey, we just want to reemphasize our club standards that there are absolutely no hoodies allowed on the premise. You know, in regard, and also like all this other stuff. Yeah. So some of the golf, some of the golf community seem to be going the other way of like, hey, this is outright just like ridiculous why on earth are you coming after this guy from wearing a hoodie 
And then other parts of the golf world were saying, hey, this is ridiculous. Why is this guy wearing a hoodie? Um, but in relation to disc golf, yeah, it was uh, Nick Hankey's question on the disc golf debate group was basically like, will disc golf get to this point? I've got a, I have a take on this. Well, I the take I wanted was like, A, will disc golf get to that point? And B, if you, in a perfect world, what would your dress code for disc golf be at the top level of the sport? Right. So the whole reason that the like colored shirt thing exists, right, is because they want it to look you they want the players to look professional, right? So but I don't think the colored shirt has become like the, you know, poster child for that look, but it's not necessarily the end all be all. Um because the whole point is like we for disc golf and ball golf and whatever we want the players at the highest level the ones that are on tv presenting the sport we want them to look professional okay does that mean they need to be wearing a collared shirt not necessarily i think what's more important is that the players look put together okay when a when a professional when a pga tour golfer like roy mcelroy goes out on the course whether he's wearing um, a colored shirt or not, he's going out there in all very nice Nike athletic gear that was given to him by Nike. He looks put together. He looks like a Nike athlete. He's got a Nike hat, Nike shoes, Nike pants, and this Nike, it happened to be a hoodie, but it's still, he still looks put together out there. You know, he doesn't look like he just showed up from any random place to go play on this, this tournament. Right. So like my whole thing is like the colored shirt is an effective way. First of all, it's not uncomfortable. <laughs> at all like i don't understand that so that that is like the easiest way to accomplish this look i think for disc golf because we don't have the kind of resources to have like these sponsorships like sending us in clothing right like like nike athletes like that but i think it's more important and part of it too like people say like the dry fits like you oh just wear a dry fit but like a lot of the dry fits look ugly like they look awful they look like paintball uniforms or like esports teams uniforms they're flashy they just don't look clean right i want like you could you could do a dry fit shirt and an outfit that just looks like clean and well put together i think but right now i think it's just like where the sport is and like where all the apparel is it's just easier to do it with a collared shirt because you just slap a logo on it and it's already done the job for you like guys who are out there on the course dressing like like Paul McBeth is the is like the best example of it right now that we have. He looks way more professional. <laughs> like that's just the bottom line. Like some guys just don't really try and it's because they don't want to. So you're arguing for collared shirts on the tour. On the I'm so not I'm not calling off, it collared sh- I'm not saying I'm not on the side of collared shirts. I'm saying that's the easiest way to accomplish so if you were, looking if you put were, together. First off I want to say we're talking about the elite series. So Right. Yeah, anything else Pro anything Tour below that, I National don't care. Tour World and Pro Tour National Tour majors. Right. That's it. If you're in charge of the dress code, what are you putting in writing right that these now, players have to go by? Right now I'm I'm saying collared shirt for those events because okay. I think that's the if I'm the director like I said I'm coming from that perspective the easiest way for my players to look put together is that that rule PGA Tour like those guys have so much flexibility because they have these clothing sponsors to where they can look like professional athletes and have a little more flexibility in the style of their clothing Nike are the ones who are breaking into this because 
the problem they see is they're trying to get younger dem- younger demographics into the sport. This is the reason that Nike stopped. They don't even make equipment anymore. They only make apparel because they weren't making any money. They're trying to desperately to get young people into golf. So they went ahead and they are sponsoring like all the top players apparel nowadays. And they've started, they do like a line of golf clothing that's more lifestyle, like practice around the course. And then they have their professional stuff. And now they're trying to kind of blend it together. And I think it's really cool. And like, I think that Rory and those guys outfits are always sick um, because they always look, they always still, still look professional and put together. The hood thing is definitely the most extreme iteration. We've seen them change the collared shirts to like the blade collar, which is super cool. Um, we've seen them do some things with like taking different sneaker designs and making them into golf shoes. Um, the hood is the most extreme version, but it's a hood. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not freaking out over that, but yeah, if I'm the, if I'm the PGA, like I'm not worried about whether there's a collar on, on the guy's shirt. I'm worried about if they're looking if they're representing the tour and looking like professional athletes out there. So um, see, I think this is where the issue comes in is well first off i disagree with the college some guys out there if some guys out there in cargo shorts and like just some random like innova dry fit that's a bright orange all over it like it looks trashy it doesn't look good i agree with that but the issue is who decides what looks professional well that's why you do just collared shirts but you just said it you could have a bright orange i could go out and get a collared shirt that's just as ugly and that, that looks just like an esports team too, and just put a collar on it. But I don't. The, it's a collared in, shirt. In the sport of disc golf, when I see people wearing collared shirts, that doesn't tend to happen because they're already made by companies who work in ball golf. So here is my counter, because so right now disc golf has, if you're playing an eight tier or above, you have to wear a dry fit performance shirt or a collared Which shirt. Which that's so that's so dumb. Like why why have to wear a dry fit? Because it looks way better than cotton. Does it? Yes. of the time, yes. So here's my... I don't think it makes that much of a difference. It makes a huge difference. What are you talking about? I really don't think it does. It does. To who? The appearance, the look of it. But like, what is an... Dry fit fits better? But like on an A tier, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Sometimes dry fit is more of a rigid size. It doesn't doesn't fit to your body that well. If it's a cheap dry fit... That's true. If it's cheap. But like, we're talking about like, when people are on camera. People are on (laughs) camera like... So I think that the bigger issue that needs that in disc golf doesn't have any regulation right now is the pants. Yeah. So I think you fix the pants, the shirt fixes itself. It's true because like people's like choice of shorts and pants like is usually what throws me off the most. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that doesn't look good, good up point. top isn't gonna it, the way, reason it like works as an outfit is because of the pants. Right. So I think that gym shorts, sweatpants, jeans, we can go with cargo. Should all be banned. Right. So you can't wear gym shorts. You can't wear sweatpants. You can't wear... And there are some that look good. Point, like the... I think spokesperson for why sweatpants shouldn't be banned is Nico LaCastro. Because he can wear joggers and stuff. And a jogger and a nice dry fit. And the man looks professional. Companies like Puma and Nike have started making golf pants that are like jogger style anyways. Yeah. They're already trying to But there are some that look nice. But... The issue is there's also a whole, whole lot out there that do not look professional. Yeah. And the same thing can be said for gym shorts. There are some gym shorts that you probably couldn't tell the difference between golf shorts and gym shorts. Yeah. But then there's also players who are out there in... Wearing those and ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wearing like and one down to their knees with a polo on. 
That's the most common disc golf outfit that I can't stand. <laughs> that's like sometimes even the like shiny shorts. I like, know. Ooh. With like a stripe down the side just bad. and then a polo. If you found yourself on Jomez coverage, like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. So I think athletic it's shorts. Because I think that that, and then as far as like hoodies and jackets, you know, let it be. Who cares? Because like, yeah. yes, like this sweatshirt, for instance. Would not look professional no matter what outfit I put it on. Wouldn't even look that bad though. Cause it's not bad, but it's just like a cotton, you know, whatever sweatshirt. But if I pair it with golf shorts, you know, nice hat and a nice hat, I'm doing okay. Right. You know, that's a good point. I never thought about the whole thing of like, it's actually really the pants and the shorts. That's what throws it off. It kind of, I was looking at it and I'm like, that's what screws everything because you know, some of the like worst looking dry fits on tour. If you yeah. put them with golf pants or golf shorts, they would look better. They would either look better or they would look so bad being put with it that the player would look at it himself and be like, "Okay, well, I can't wear this dry fit anymore." Yeah, that's like that's a valid point. So I think screw it's the collared so, shirts, but how screw do you, all of that? Yeah, that's just a regulate tr- the pants. <laughs> I mean, honestly, regulate Is that the, the pants. Title of this podcast: <laughs> Regulate the pants. No, because seriously, like that, they, then you get rid of that. The pants, I think, is where ninety nine percent of my issue comes in, and I just realized it. And the person that made me realize it. it was the man, the myth, the legend, Nico LaCastro. Because I was looking at his dry fit, and I'm like, that game, his dry fit game is unmatched. Like you, he, because then that allows a player like him. It's true, he does match, even though he has the most wild stuff. He does match. It's insane. He looks great, and he has his own style that will never be replicated. It could be yeah. replicated, but like you couldn't replicate it in golf. Or if you put that man in a collared shirt. Right. Then that takes away the flair of Nico. Right. You, but a good example you take Nico with like a sick dry fit, some of his leopard print, his like super whatever, like the most Nico looking shirts, and you put him in golf pants, the man still looks good. Nico's got to figure it out. You know what I mean? And then on the other side, you know, the only one that I think, and this might just be me personally, is like the ultimate jersey looking, uh, like super loud printed ones. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? There's yeah. some that are done well, like the yeah. Jomez ones I like. The Jomez jerseys that are like dry fit, don't mind those. But when I mean, they, they get still like, look like they're still a little crowded for me. But when they get like bigger and bolder, right. My, I, don't I don't know how you regulate. I don't necessarily that. mind colors as much as I mind logos everywhere. That's where, like Innova, like a bowling shirt. Innova, yeah, right. Innova does like the giant Air Force logo, and like yeah. there's that logo isn't inherently awful, but like I don't need to see it blown up on every player's back. Like, it, it takes that polo that could look, like, nice and clean. Well, I think part of it's the logo, too, because, like, Dynamic's logo is huge on their back, but it still looks professional. It looks better. The Discraft logo part doesn't of look it, better. Part of it is it needs to be in one color. Right. You could regulate the screen printing color on the back of it. Like, if you're going to put a... If you're if you're going to add a screen print to the shirt, it needs to be one color. Yeah, there's just a lot of fashion fails going on. I don't know. Disc golf. But I think the biggest thing that disc golf could regulate today that would make, uh, that would solve a ton of the unprofessional dress is the pants. And it doesn't sacrifice comfort, really. I mean, sure. No, golf pants are comfortable. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And this is only on the tour level. Yeah. You know, if I want to show up Disclaimer, to my. Disclaimer, once again. Yeah, if I want to show up to my B tier in athletic shorts or A tier. Well, that's the thing, too, is I have, and I wore one at this B tier. This is another thing that got to me. Is I, I have this dry fit. And there's a Nike Golf dry fit. Yeah. No sense, no sign of a collar or buttons up top. It's just a dry fit t-shirt that I think looks better than a lot of my polos. So like when I wear that with golf pants, I honestly like I'm like this disc golf wise I think looks more professional than some of the polos I have. So that's when I really started well, thinking fit, through this. Fit honestly comes down to a lot. Fit too. is a big thing. 
Well, but, the thing is, like, yeah, there's. I guess there's not enough. Not enough manufacturers. Like, it's. It all comes down to the disc golf demographic too. That like just does not care about style. But that's the thing is, I think if you regulate the pants, that solves a lot. Regulate of it. the pants. That put that it's, on a t-shirt. I'm being serious though. Like, regulate I, it the sounds pants. funny. But I think, I think you're onto something. I, I agree. Like it clicked in my head, and I'm like, "This is it," because that's not asking too much of anyone. You know we're what I mean? You don't have to wear a collared shirt. We're not golf. We never were trying to be golf, but that makes us look more professional. It's true. I don't care about the collar. I just care about the overall look. Because then you know, you, if you if you're putting a belt on and stuff, because you're wearing golf pants or at least pants with a zipper and a button, you know, you're it's going to be a lot harder to just like. All right. Well, now that I got this on, I'm gonna just throw on just like the most comfortable clothes up top it's, because it's it like it starts with the pants. Yeah, the pants set the tone for the, the outfit. Pants are the key. If if I wake up and throw sweatpants on, a t-shirt and sweatshirts following after. If I wake up and put khakis on, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, well, I, I've got to dress Dang. to match the khakis. It's the pants, that man. It's is the some dirt big pants. brain energy right there. And I'm proud of myself for that one. Wow. So you're onto something. Disc golf needs to regulate the pants. Disc golf needs to regulate the pants. You know? That is so, that's great. And then players can express their style through their socks, their shirts, all of that. Regulate, regulate pants. those pants. Boom. All right. We're going to move into. That is so funny. <laughs> I was pretty proud of myself when I started thinking through that. I'm like, it's the pants, man. It's the pants. It's got to be the pants. Uh, we're going to move into the next segment, our final segment before we wrap out the show, which is. Make that call. Oh, boy. Um, now, this one I find pretty interesting because I have never heard this before. Great. Um, and I don't know when it would come to effect, but it could. So, um, well, I've never heard of this scenario because I don't want you to try to take a guess from okay. what the result would be. But this is defined. This specific instance is defined how you would play it in the PGA rulebook. Okay. PDGA rulebook. So, yeah. in a tournament... A player yes. on your card throws a disc around a blind corner of a hole, so you can't see where it lands. Okay? You get up there. He says he can't find it. You start the timer. Uh, after three minutes are declared of everyone looking, after three minutes, the, the disc is declared lost. He goes back, re-tees. From his re-tee, he birdies the hole, so he only threw two more shots. Um, so that that's it. That's that hole. So he went back with his penalty stroke, re-teed, birdied the hole from there. Wait, what? what par was the hole? Par three. So he threw his tee shot, lost his disc around this blind corner. How did he still birdie the hole? No, he went back from his second shot. He only threw two more shots, is what I'm saying. So he didn't so he actually took like a, make a birdie. Uh, what is it, four? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, but you get what I'm saying. Just like, clarifying that. Yeah. So he took like a four. So he threw three shots but had a penalty stroke. Yes, cool. exactly. Okay. So then during the lunch break between rounds, it's discovered that a kid on the playground picked it up, had stolen the guy's original tee shot that had been clear, declared lost. That's ridiculous. So what, after this, all this evidence, the round's over, after this evidence is all presented, what score is his score on that hole? Hads. Oh, I hate this. <laughs> I, we got like a little investigation. We're going to interview a little Timmy on the swings. Where, <laughs> what'd you do with my destroyer, buddy? <laughs> I know you have it. <laughs> I'm going to tell your mom. That is, oh, I hate because I know that the score is going to have to change or else you wouldn't have brought this up. But does it, though, because I did specify the round is over. Right. Yeah, well, the round was over, too, when Paul went to What's-His-Face and got that Also reversed. valid. So, clearly, stuff can be reversed if you're the tournament director. <laughs> and you surely can't just, like, get rid of it. You, it can't be, like, a 
Oh. <laughs> I'm saying they give him a birdie and they count his wreath tee as his actual. It's like a provisional. So you think they just I'm erase two his original throw plus I think the that's penalty stroke garbage, gone. first of all, but I think, yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. So you think the, the original pe- throw and the penalty stroke just disappear? Yeah. I think they just play it like they did for the second. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate that. That's <laughs> so, so bad. Are two, two stroke, <laughs> so two strokes are removed from his score on that hole, according to rule 805.03D, which says, if it is discovered prior to completion of the tournament that a player's disc that had been declared lost has been removed or taken, then two throws are subtracted from the player's score for that hole. Oh, so it literally is a number of strokes that's two. taken away. So, so it's his initial not even... throw and the penalty stroke. So like if he had taken par, he'd have par on the second throw. No, but it, it's like a it's like minus two strokes though. Yeah. So if he took a six, he'd have a four on the hole. If he bogeyed it from his three t. Because you're removing the initial throw that was lost, plus the penalty stroke. Right. Okay. So basically, you're just, you just that get, throw oh, never okay. happened. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Never mind. I'll so even if you lost it in the middle of the fairway. Yeah. Okay. I was. On but my... isn't that fascinating? Oh, that's laid out. Eight oh five point oh three D. That is like one of the guys who works for the PDGA rules. Like that happened to him, and he was like, "I can't wait to write this rule tomorrow." Oh my goodness, that little kid that took. I my also disc thought it was interesting. Gonna... Prior to the completion of the tournament. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is so specific that it happened to somebody, and they made this rule themselves. I'm not <laughs> even kidding you. It had to be that way. You know, probably. But yeah, I I read that, and I was like, huh. That's so funny. <laughs> you probably heard me over there. I literally went, huh. if I Yeah, if I see a bad drive next time, I'm going to encourage somebody to steal it. Go pick that up, buddy. Yeah, it's right there. Hey, here's a $5 <laughs> bill if you go take that Look, off the fairway. Look, see that shiny little yellow disc? Go grab it. <laughs> that one in the bush? I did for the first time ever have to call someone on a lost disc just yeah he threw on hole one uh at mayflower hills if you're local he threw which i know it's wide open how do you lose a disc there's a drainage no he threw it it clearly cleared the drainage pond so we knew he wasn't in the drainage pond we could all see it cleared it but there's that patch of tall grass after it just on annie spiked into it Mm, just dug in we got up there he's like i can't find my disc guy so we walk over which, first off, this is the second time it had happened what this round. What a bummer to lose a disc there. Well, we, this is the second time this has happened this round. Actually, both were to Justin, unfortunately. But the first time we found his disc, but we were, the first time we were looking for it, I was like, how long has it been? Like, has it been close to three minutes? And someone was like, well, no one officially declared the time started. And no one started a timer, so we can't call him on a lost disc. And I'm like, oh, that's criminal, because we'd already been there for about mm. three minutes. We found his disc. So then the second time, I was like, okay, well, to make sure that everything's fair, I'm going to go ahead and start the timer. So I like physically pulled out my phone and started a timer. I felt so weird. So weird. And then I just like... like a narc. Well, that's why I didn't know what to do because in the past, if I've I've ever been a part of a card that called it, we just assumed the three minutes. We were like, okay, well, you know what? We've been looking for a while. But yeah, a different guy on my card was like, well, no, like if if you call him on a lost disc, like it has to be official. So there has to be three minutes. So I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I have my phone in my pocket. I'll start the timer. So I started it and then it got like 250. I'm like, oh. Like Justin, we got ten more seconds. Then it got to three minutes, and I'm like, okay, it's been three minutes. Like I'm not gonna say it, but like it's been three minutes. And then Justin's like, all right, I'll walk back. We never found his disc. We kept looking for like another two minutes while he walked back and reteed. That D six will never be found again. It just disappeared. Yeah, it was weird. But I, I felt very like I know I was doing the right thing, but it felt so Hate to be weird. That guy, right? Yeah, I did not like it. And then I proceeded to walk up to my lie, turf my forehand, and take a five. Same, same. 
So that was great. Same. All right. Well, to wrap up this podcast, a little bit of foundation news coming up. We do have our 2020 fall and winter line um, coming in, hopefully very soon hopefully we'll be dropping it within the next week or two mm-hmm. um maybe next week on the podcast at the end we can give you a little glimpse into some of the clothing if we get it in in time um this is going to be each of these runs is probably going to be exclusive to fall slash winter of 2020 meaning once they're gone they're gone right um we also have a somewhat small restock coming in um mainly of the if i'm correct we haven't gotten in yet but mainly of the 2020 tour series discs it'll probably be our last restock of the 2020 tour series discs with discraft of this year mm-hmm. and a little bit of dga Ooh. action mixed in there so that's i'm really excited for the dga i've personally never thrown any of their stuff you've thrown some of it it's good yeah um you know that's a it's kind of like innova and millennium discraft and dga yeah. uh, dga is a separate company but it is molded and manufactured by innova by a uh, discraft so if you're interested in checking out their stuff, you know, we'll, we might post like some reviews or something like that as we check it out. Maybe our like first reaction. Yeah. DGA only round. Could be fun. Hey, um, so but be. all that's kind of coming in. So we'll be getting that posted probably when you're listening to this podcast. All of it will probably be up by tomorrow, uh, Friday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you can, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, tomorrow, make sure to check all our social medias. We'll be posting about it, uh, especially on Discord, um, which if you're not a member of our Discord, check the link in the description below join up you know it's super fun also final thing we launched foundation gaming hey um a lot of fun you know it's the our first stream our first public stream went pretty great it's every monday night from 8 p.m to 10 p.m eastern on twitch twitch so twitch.tv slash foundation gaming underscore gaming not sure just go to twitch.tv and search foundation gaming you'll find us it's our logo um but yeah come hang out with us there you know we're gonna play some warzone some rocket league Probably some Among Us. Two We're going to try to get a, a big foundation game of Among Us with everyone we can um, going hopefully pretty soon. But be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all of that stuff. And I think that's it. Yeah. That's going to be it, guys. So thank you so much for listening, tuning in here, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on any of the platforms that we're on. We really appreciate it. If you're on iTunes, please, if you enjoyed or if you didn't enjoy, leave us a review. Let us know how we can improve, what we should change, or if we're perfect, you can let that let us know that in the thing down below as well. We read all of those and we truly appreciate it. Um, and we will talk to you guys next week.